Sales Tuners, episode 118, with me, Jim Brown. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown, the only weekly show where we talk about the attitude, action, and ability that gets sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. It's time. It's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Alex Mort, who said, New Year, a new chapter, new verse, or just the same old story? Ultimately, we write it. The choice is ours. Happy 2562, everyone. Wait, did I just say that? Well, yes, yes, I did. As I've been walking around Chiang Mai, Thailand for the last week, I've seen many signs that have a date 500 years into the future. With a confused look on my face, a local who spoke English approached me and said Thailand uses the ancient Buddhist calendar instead of the Gregorian calendar. I also learned that while they'll celebrate the Western New Year, because who really needs an excuse to party, their official New Year celebration is April 13th, as that date aligns with the solar calendar. Regardless, what I hope you take away from that is that you don't need a special day or time or flipping of the calendar to make a change in your life. If you're ready to be better, do it now. I've got some great questions from listeners for today's show. We're going to get into time management, commissions, pricing, upsells, and even a retail question about customers who are just looking. If you'd like me to answer your questions in the future, simply go to salestuners.com slash askjb. Before we dive in, I do want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. Costello is pioneering the way companies build and execute sales playbooks. The platform helps sales reps prepare for calls, ask timely questions, tell relevant stories, and sync insights back to their CRM, all while showing managers and reps the gaps in every single deal so they can work them together to move them forward. With Costello, sales leaders can identify what's working on the front line and replicate success across their entire team. Learn more and see a demo at andcostello.com. That's A-N-D-C-O-S-T-E-L-L-O.com. All right. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salestuners.com slash 118. But now let's get to the first question from Chad Spoltro, a regional sales manager at PKG Inc., who is getting overwhelmed by to-dos and feeling paralyzed by the struggle to get out of the hole he's been buried in. He said when he's in the office, he's lucky to even get one hour of productivity from an eight-hour day, often drifting off tasks to work on time-wasting activities instead. Well, Chad, I can tell you, you're not alone here. Many of us in sales, myself included, struggle from what I'd consider a version of ADD. While we like the freedom of movement, flexible schedule, frequent meetings with new people, and opportunities for regular social interaction, these same things lead us to often needing help with the back office stuff like reporting and paperwork. I've got two main suggestions for you here, but before I lay them out, I have to tell you, it's likely going to take you a good long weekend or two uh, to work and get you in a place where these could even begin to help. Look through your calendar for the last two weeks. Make sure you have both field time as well as office time in there and write down every single activity you did. Yes, every single activity. Now, next to each activity, write down how long that activity should have taken you. I did not say how long it did take you. I said how much time it should have taken you. 
which of those activities were revenue generating and which of those activities were just time consuming repeating tasks. I want you to now create what I call a default calendar. That is, given a perfect week, how would you like to spend your time? Fill in your calendar with blocks that list out the theme of the activities with the amount of time they should take. Then, in addition to that, I want you to fill in each day with the other stuff you know you have to do. Again, with the amount of time it should take to get that done. Now, I know you're not a robot, and I know things change, so I want you to try to account for that as well. Mark off 15 minutes here and 30 minutes there for things like checking your personal email, reading the news, or looking at last night's sports scores. By giving yourself permission and a time block to do those things, you won't feel like you're straying from the task at hand because you know you have time coming up to do other things. The other suggestion I have is I want you to consider hiring your own assistant. Yes, I mean with your own money. Take a look again at that list of every activity you did over the last two weeks. How many of those repeating tasks really need to be done by you? Is it five hours a week or is it 10 hours a week? If you could pay someone 10 to $15 an hour, you're talking about a monthly investment of less than $600 that could earn you three to four X that immediately in additional commission by freeing you up to focus on the high priority revenue generating tasks. My next question is for my sales managers listening to the show and comes from Steven Shattuck, chief engagement officer at Bloomerang. He asked, should quotas be adjusted up or down based on how many inbound leads a rep receives? My short answer to this is no, but I need to explain that further. I do believe base salaries should be adjusted up or down depending on the volume of inbound leads versus the expectation of self-generated opportunities. I also think inbound leads should pay a lower commission rate. However, quota and quota attainment should not vary based on how good or bad a job marketing is doing. Incentive comp plans should be adjusted in Q4 each year and rolled out to the team in Q1 of the following. These adjustments need to take into consideration all the known data from the previous year and be calculated based on the forecast for the upcoming year. Now, I'm not a believer that everyone should hit quota. If that is happening, you've set your quotas too low and your team is going to get fat and happy. That said, the quotas do need to be realistic and attainable by some. I like the idea of having minimum, primary and visionary targets where minimum means you get to keep your job. Primary means you've attained quota and visionary means you're getting accelerators and bonuses. I hope that helps Steven. Next up is Dora Lutz, founder of Giving Spring, who asked, do you put pricing levels on your website to help people evaluate whether they fit your business model? This is a great question, Dora. And like a lot of things, the answer is it depends. I've seen it work both ways with clients as well as companies I've invested in. I'll start by saying, if your product fits into any or all the following, annual contract value under 10,000, single product without customization, or user-based pricing, you should just list your pricing packages on your site. Why? Because you don't want your sales team spending time with people who don't have the ability to spend that amount of money. They may need to answer some questions to determine if it's the right fit, but it is okay to let people self-select out. Yes, I know you need to create and sell value as a salesperson, but I'd rather that time be used with actual prospects instead of just tire kickers. Good reps know how to make that determination quickly. Now, 
What if your price point is higher or there is a lot of customization, especially with services? There can still be good reason to list some basic offering tiers on the site. When I led sales for Compendium, we revamped pricing completely to essentially include starter, growth, and enterprise packages. We listed them on the site starting at 9,000 and 18,000 respectively, and then enterprise remained custom. What this did is allow us to have a starting point with conversations. We'd actually even ask them which tier they saw themselves in based on the options they selected. Oftentimes, they would actually self-select into the higher tier. Now, some of you listening may be saying, but Jim, you don't list any of your prices on your site now. Again, your situation may vary. In my current situation, I take on such a limited amount of clients every year, everything I do is customized to fit their needs. Look closely and you'll notice I don't even list what I do on the site. And that will be changing in 2019, however. Brian Fitzpatrick had probably my favorite question from this batch. A consultant for BF Sports Analysis, Brian said, you've mentioned sellers becoming subject matter experts, SMEs in the future. He then asked, can you discuss the balance between developing sales skills and SME skills? An example in my business is that for some of my clients, I contract people to film sports matches, mainly rugby. I'm trying to upskill these guys, both on their ability to film and do post-production and analysis, but also encourage them to sell to the opposition and referees. Well, Brian, thank you for this question. I just want to make one point of clarification. My true belief is the future of sales is subject matter experts learning how to sell as opposed to salespeople becoming subject matter experts. That said, yes, I do believe that for current salespeople to become truly great, they need to truly understand the problems and challenges their prospects face. The features and benefits of your product are honestly irrelevant if you don't know how they impact a buyer once they've started using it. With that, I may have to say you may be asking too much of a single person. I'm not saying it's impossible. I just want to make sure we start off on the right foot. I think there's a difference between someone knowing how to produce a product, in your case, the filming of the matches and doing post-production, and then someone knowing how to analyze and break down that game film. For instance, I personally know how to shoot and edit video, but I know literally nothing about rugby. Therefore, I couldn't begin to analyze what's going on, and I likely won't have any interest in selling that. I may be interested, however, in selling video recording services. See where I'm going? I think you may be better off hiring an account manager of sorts that likely doesn't know how to produce video, but understands the game of rugby. He or she could do the delivery and analysis of the finished product, as well as talk with the other parties to prospect for additional opportunities. To do that, all I really want is for someone who's willing to listen for the three or four main pain points around why your customers buy from you. Once they understand them, then they can start looking for them in the video and potentially reach out to say, hey, I noticed in the last game you guys played, you did X, Y, and Z. We do some work for other clubs in the area to analyze their game plan. Have you ever seen a breakdown of your team? Could I show you? I hope that helps. And the last question for this episode came from Carol Stork, who is in furniture sales. She said she has learned quite a bit from listening to the show, even though it is centered around tech. Her question was, how do you work with the people who are just looking, the ones who have trouble making decisions? Well, even though the question is specific to retail, it absolutely has implications in tech. Whether you're at a trade show and someone says they're just looking, or if you're making cold calls and the person says now is not a good time, the whole goal of an initial contact is to engage and start a conversation. 
that's it. If you're trying to sell from the first interaction, you're going to turn people off. Think about your own experience. When is the last time you went into a brick and mortar store? Were you there to truly just look or did you go in with the idea of something you wanted to buy? For me, there are plenty of times I'll walk through a store just to kill time or get ideas for the future. Other times, I go in knowing full well I plan to buy something. In both scenarios, when I'm approached by a salesperson, my immediate response is, no thanks, just looking. Why? Why is that? It's because too many bad salespeople have ruined that experience by being pushy and trying to waste my time and or sell me something I don't want. The majority of people do not want to be sold. However, everyone wants to buy if you let them. So what do you do, Carol? As I mentioned, the first goal has to be to engage them to start a conversation. To do that, I recommend you wait 10 to 15 seconds to even approach them. If you don't let me actually get in the store, you're going to get a stiff arm from me almost immediately. Now, 10 to 15 seconds may seem like forever, but trust me, it's not. During that time, grab a prop, a book, a box, or an item from your store. As you approach, it will now look like you've quit doing whatever it was that you were doing so that you could acknowledge them. There won't be as much pressure because you won't look like a hulk trying to swoop in for the kill. When you do approach them, say something that breaks their pattern, something that would not elicit an I'm just looking response. Something as easy as good evening could start the conversation. After that, since you know there is a good chance you're going to hear, I'm just looking, be prepared for it. And also, know when they actually mean it. Some of the responses I like are, our best customers do the same thing. My name is Carol. What's yours? Or, very good. Well, I'm glad you chose to look here. Another could be, are you looking for a special gift or a little something for yourself? Or maybe, excellent. Would you be looking for something bigger or smaller than what you already have? Realize that all of these are just trying to open up a conversation, a dialogue, instead of just saying, how can I help you buy something? You can also be honest and direct with them by asking, are you just looking or are you just killing time? You may also try to add some humor to the situation. Is this an I need to get out of jail free card kind of looking or is it a let's celebrate something exciting kind of looking? Again, all you're doing here is trying to start a conversation from a genuine sense of curiosity. A natural sales conversation can unfold. That's it. I hope you enjoyed this New Year's Ask JB episode. If you'd like to have your question answered on an upcoming episode, just go to salestuners.com slash askjb. I've made the process as simple as possible. I hope to see you next week when I talk with Corn George from Rook Security about the pros and cons of cyber stalking when it comes to prospecting. Until then, I'm Jim Brown. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And they stay there.